Welcome to Protoss, a podcast that explores pursuing the kingdom. We're your hosts. I'm Wayne Back. And I'm Steve Kyle. I'm just loving this spring weather. We've been talking about it for the last couple of podcasts, but it's just another perfect day. Blue skies. Looking out the window, I can see wattle blooming on the trees and all the rest. Of it. It's just absolutely amazing. I feel like we're shaking off winter finally. There's parts of me that desire living in a warmer climate, but the joy at these change of seasons in these cooler climates is a good thing. Hopefully it won't be too long and we'll at least be able to travel to a warmer climate, even if we're not planning to live there. I wouldn't mind being able to travel to a local winery at the moment, a nice plattered lunch. The Yarra Valley or something? Oh, yes. We have a booking we keep putting off there, so as soon as they open, we're out there. As soon as we can, that's where we'll do a podcast from. <laughs> that sounds like a good idea. Might be a long one. <laughs> Let's get into it. In the last podcast, we discussed that Kingdom Vision is all about culture. That was really helpful for me. You shared a couple of models that provide excellent frameworks for the foundations of Kingdom culture, and they work whether that's with a Christian or a non-Christian organization. Yeah, a cultural vision is unique to the individual enterprise. We're not called to be all things to all people. So whether it's a Kingdom business or a church or other enterprise, it is about culture. And since it is about culture we should measure it. Those measures are essential to understand if we're on track in the achievement of our vision. That point of kingdom culture, I was thinking more about church organisations, but the reality is the call was heaven to earth, not heaven to church. Correct, yes. I'm sure there's a lot of indicators to track that can help us understand whether we're achieving our vision. It is so important that we measure these things. There's one that's common to all of us and is that overarching kingdom vision measure that you mentioned as well, and that is the is anyone better off test. Yeah, there is a lot of indicators, as you mentioned. Indicators are typically about strategies, about how well our strategies are working. But the vision is about culture and to know whether we're establishing culture, and that's culture test is a better off test. Some people declare they are carrying a certain culture by giving airtime to people who have experiences that are actually aligned with the culture. That doesn't mean they have it. They're providing a platform for those that do. This is a small way to try to build culture, and we'll look at that in more detail when we look at kingdom strategy. Because vision is about culture, we actually need to measure the culture, and we also need to measure values. So what's the difference between values and culture, then, if we're going to measure them? Uh, A person's values is, is how much they want a set of characteristics, but their culture is how much they are carrying it or exhibiting that thing that they value. And I assume that it's the same for personal and for organisational values and culture? True. I've found this with my research and work with many organisations over the years. I've been able to measure values and culture and use those measurements to assist enterprises in their development. And what I've found time and time again is that aligning values and transforming culture are not the same thing. And so you need to measure both and respond differently to both if you want to help that organisation carry a stronger culture. I think we both know and have experienced, though, that people will adopt and accept an organisation's values to differing degrees, don't they? Yes, they do, and that's part of the challenge when you do a cultures and values assessment and they see a sliding scale of which values are actually the values of the people of the organisation as the eyes go all of a sudden very wide and go, what? People don't value these things? They're our values. Why don't they value them? <laughs> it's kind of like it's, if they don't value them, it's going to be much harder to bring that as cultural change. And so organisations often have to work on their value set before they work on their culture set, if you like. Mm-hmm. So how did you do that with organisations that you've consulted with over the years? 
you start with the senior management team and the senior management team is not agreed on or on a value set or not all carrying a value set, then they're not going to really want the organization to change. And you also understand the senior management team's culture as well, because culture is caught, it's not taught, it is contagious. And so trying to bring cultural change in an organization with a senior team that's not carrying it, pretty much wasting your time. So it starts at the top and the first approach is to work with the leaders before you get to the teams that they're leading. Yes, and it's not only sets them on a journey, it helps them to understand and embrace assessment and strategic response. Not many organisations will just open up to a cultural assessment and a cultural change program that they don't understand or haven't seen before. If they can experience the assessment of values and culture and see their, the senior management team adopting strategies within them and seeing change, then there's a lot more confidence to roll that assessment and cultural change strategy out in, in the broader organisation. When you're talking assessments, you're talking about surveying people, right? Yeah, that's right. In reality, the values and culture of an organisation is the sum total of the values and culture of all the individual's organisation. Their culture is just not an entity that lives in the air. <laughs> it, it, their culture is carried by people. And so you need to ask every single person in the organisation, if you can, you know, a survey makes those results easier to assemble, if you like. You mentioned before about when you've done surveys and leaders have said, what do you mean people don't value this? This is our values. Can you give me a specific example you've had when those values have been out of alignment? Steve, there's a general problem here that's recognised in organisations and it's called the brand culture gap. Organisations typically have three areas of who are we question. One is their brand, that is whom they're telling people they are. Uh, one is their culture, who they actually are, and one is their vision, who they want to be. You're putting out a message to people and you're saying, well, this is who we are. And really, that's a value statement. That's the values of this, typically of the senior management team. But if people's experience with the organization is different, they're experiencing the culture of the organization, and that's, that's the brand culture gap. And so organizations seem to put a lot of effort into branding without a corresponding effort into culture change. So all they're setting up external stakeholders for is for disappointment clearly promoting who we are and who we want to be. But when people engage with the company, go, well, that's not what I experience. And trust is destroyed. And studies show that people want to deal with the organisations that they believe in and trust and will punish those who don't walk the talk by taking their business elsewhere. And I was just reading in the last week or so, and it was highlighting that Gen Zs, millennials and the like are over 50% of the world's market now. And they want to believe in companies they're dealing with. They want to trust them and they want to know that they're actually doing something to make the world a better place. I think this is a healthy thing. It's a healthy change. Hopefully, organisations who do focus on branding uh, will have a corresponding focus on cultural change. I worked with a company who their branding effort was really to own the colour red. You know, they had some sense to it because people in remote regions in this country were illiterate. When people saw red, they wanted to think of their company. Of course, they're competing with Coca-Cola, quite a big competitor in this. But their branding effort in those regions really resulted in taking a bucket of red paint and going and painting everything they could red. (laughs) Amazing. I've sat in being a listener to branding campaigns going, you know, I'm the strategy guy and I'm sitting there going, Yeah, well, this is great, but if you're not actually giving people the tools to change culture, you're just setting stakeholders up for disappointment because they weren't experiencing what you're putting out there. Spot on. That's a good example of what you've called that brand culture gap. 
we find the brand culture gap actually in Scripture. Oh, really? Yeah, the Apostle John gave a report to the church in Sardis in Revelation 3, verse 1, on their culture brand gap. It, it reads this, To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. So you know, he's declaring uh, the trueness of what he's about to say. And he says, I know your works, that you have a name of being alive, but you are dead. So this is a, a very large brand culture gap. Interesting, a culture brand analysis or gap analysis from 2,000 years ago. How did you bring alignment for organisations that you consulted to? Well, it really does start with a survey. For a small group, a small organisation, you can survey the whole organisation right at the beginning. But for a large one, typically you want to talk to the senior management team, first of all. You survey, you ask every person involved, and survey is just a great and convenient and quick way to get answers to questions. Answers to true questions. The boss hope isn't looking off over the shoulder saying answer this way. And so you have to, first of all, understand your model. What are the cultural dimensions that you want to survey for? Then you've also got to ask questions about behaviors that are representative of that culture. Of course, a culture can have many different behaviors that represent. So you try to pick the best ones. That makes sense. I've heard it said that culture is how people act when the boss isn't in the room. If it's different to when she or he is in the room, then one way to get a view of what that gap is by asking everyone. There's certainly a science, I was going to say art, but it really is a science to get surveys right because we've all seen problems with badly worded surveys that actually lead people down a certain path to give you the answers you want, I suppose. Yeah, that's right. There is a whole methodology behind it. And you don't want to just be a, have a novice survey creator because you can create some huge problems, introducing problems that aren't really problems at all, uh, simply by the way you word surveys. Here's another example from Revelation, the, uh, the book of Revelations, where the Apostle John gave the church at Laodicea a cultural survey. And uh, he says in uh, Revelations 3.17, he says, Because you say, I am rich, I have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. If you're miserable, poor, blind, and naked in anything, the Holy Spirit will let you know. But a survey may be helpful as well if you, if you really can't hear what he's saying. <laughs> well, John was quite the consultant, wasn't he? I didn't see that coming. If you're interested in understanding uh, how surveys work and where you personally sit in kingdom culture for your own life, I have a free personal kingdom culture assessment on kingdomculture.com.au. It has 32 questions, four questions on each of the eight cultural elements of the SED, and it will give you a bit of a snapshot of the degree to which you're carrying kingdom culture. I've also developed values and culture assessments for organisations based on the SED and TED model, which can then be used in the strategy uh, to, to build culture in the right places in the organisation. Okay, so the SED, that was the Spiritual Enterprise Diagnostic for Christian Enterprises, and the TID was a Transformational Organisation Diagnostic, where you've translated the language from the SED to be more acceptable in a more secular organisational sort of speak. And we discussed both of those models in the last podcast. Yeah, and I've, I've given a lot more information in my book on Kingdom Culture. It's, it's an important point that culture is all about behaviours. It's not about beliefs or intentions. I've settled on four behaviours, as I've mentioned, that represent each of the dimensions of the SED models and TOD model. And I refined these through working with organisation. And when I survey, I survey for both how much people desire to behave that way, that is their values, and how much they're actually behaving that way, that is their culture. 
Yeah, that sounds right after all. We all have blind spots and organisations are no different. You always learn something through these sort of assessments, I've found. Yeah, and you, you do need to survey for both because if a group has a high value on something but a poor culture, it's easy to introduce a program or a system because they're, they're already motivated to do something about it. Mm-hmm. But if they have a low value and a low culture, you have to first work on how much they value it, and that's, that's a different process. We'll talk more about that in a podcast on strategy. My experience in delivering the outcomes of these surveys is that 20 to 30% of the answers highlight weaknesses that they can address to improve their performance. And, and most of these are blind spots. Of course, it's up to them and the Holy Spirit whether they should do anything about them. It, it's not just a, a pure survey approach. If we're in the kingdom, we, we bring it to God. So, well, hey, these are problems I don't know that we had. Do you want me to do anything about them? It's better that we intentionally ignore them because of what the Spirit is saying, what our calling is, rather than ignore them in an ignorant fashion because we're simply blind to them. So once you know about them from a survey, if you do nothing, that means you're valuing something else higher than you value changing them, right? Correct, yes. And that means you have a choice, and that is it's in your power to do something, but you're choosing not to. Yeah, that's right. There's an old proverb that says, if all we have is a hammer, we see every problem as a nail. (laughs) And so (laughs) if we're aware of our problems, we, we can choose to develop our ability to respond to them or not. It's our choice. I believe that we do need to consider all of these SED or TOD dimensions. And if we don't, there may be uh, some negative consequences. If what we talked about in the last podcast really are copies and shadows of heavenly things, as the writer of Hebrews says, then they are all important. So once we're aware of the blind spot in our kingdom culture, we should act. Or else what? I mean, what do you mean by your own peril? Well, let me give you an example. When I first started using this survey, I surveyed a large church which highlighted some significant weaknesses that were blind spots to the leaders. Now, listen, they weren't blind spots to the staff, but that's another issue. (laughs) When the results were in, the leaders found them hard to believe. One key area of weakness was in the work group climate dimension of the SED model. Now, this church was a top-down control organisation and staff in particular were disempowered by this management approach. The leaders subsequently decided that a positive workplace climate was not part of their value set. Now, they would not say this explicitly, of course. No. But they said, let's just survey on our own values, which to me as a novice at that point, I thought, well, okay, yeah, I can do that. And so I constructed a a tailored second survey using their particular value set, a survey that excluded the values that highlighted their major blind spots, including uh, their poor workplace climate. Hang on, so... Are you saying they redesigned the survey to give them the answers they wanted? That would never be said, but it was actually what happened. Their blind spots remained blind. Uh, These weaknesses remained and continued to limit the organisation. The consequences of a poor workplace climate are well known to many people, including us. Staff retention is is a big one. So this organisation, this church, continually had good quality leaders leave the organisation, leave high-level positions of staff. What a wasted opportunity, hey? The information was there. Yes, and I I resolved from that point on I was never to survey again on an organisation stated values, only on the SED or TOD model. And I would alert them to their weaknesses. Now, if they decided that that weakness was not something that they should address, that's up to them. It's not up to me. Mm, You can lead a horse to water, hey? 
Yes, I would try to outline to them the consequences of ignoring that dimension, um, but not my decision. That's one of the great advantages of being a consultant. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I see, what I think, what my experience is, up to you, to whether you do anything about it. Yeah. It's well known the culture of an organisation is a reflection of the culture of the founder or of the key leaders. And in that last example, it seems the founders or key leaders wanted to keep them hidden or at least to leave them unaddressed. The founder brings their own internal strengths and weaknesses that become set into the culture of an organisation. Some of them are known to the organisation and some are hidden. Is this the same in your experience in secular and in Christian enterprises? Whether it's a Christian or any other organisation, there's blind spots. Some are hidden, whether they're kingdom or not. There's a lot of other things mixed into kingdom culture in in the best of organisations. Jesus told the disciples to, for example, to watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod. Mm -hmm. And these particular mixtures of poor culture is around religion and politics or control. The leaven of the Pharisees was religion and the leaven of Herod was the political way of of controlling people. So we need to be aware of these and there's other things that we need to be aware of, of how leadership's emotional fractures, if you like, become embedded in an organisational culture, whether they're fearful, suspicious, dramatic, depressed, detached, compulsive or fractured emotionally in any way. It, It makes its way into the culture. Yeah, I can see these traits are evident in both types of organisations, whether they're non-Christian or Christian enterprises. Yeah, and I've I've embedded some of my emotional immaturities in organisations in the past and reflected on that as well. I have to say the same. (laughs) And when the founder's no longer there or, or key leaders change, then it's probably easier for culture to change if it needs to. And when that happens, the change will reflect the values of those new key leaders or the new seniority that came in. Yes, that's an opportunity for a kingdom leader to bring a new kingdom vision to the enterprise. Typically, new leadership brings new strengths and new weaknesses. But hopefully, you know, any good change program, you really identify what you want to keep. You're aware of how your leadership can make a strength into a weakness. So you want to preserve your strengths, but you also want to work on your weaknesses. To do that, you really do need an a holistic view of of the culture and values of the organisation, and that's how a survey really does help. Mm. Okay, so what type of things are you surveying for? And I think you've said already we're surveying everyone. Do you want to just go into a bit more detail as to why? Yes, well, I think the first port of call is what kingdom values is the organisation called to champion? Now, the larger the organisation, I feel the broader their value set needs to be. This can happen through discussion or or simply a culture and values survey of the senior management team or the, and the board and those that are really driving the organisation forward. You also need to understand from that survey and all surveys what degree people accept those values, so how much they value those values because, as I've mentioned, strategic response is different for things that are highly valued, things that are not highly valued. And you need to survey for culture as well, what degree they're living out, kingdom culture, and you also need to embed a whole bunch of demographics, particularly in medium and large organisations, because there are subcultures that exist. There's strengths and weaknesses exist in different parts. They exist in different locations, in different age groups, in different roles, different divisions or departments, in different geographic locations, and how long people have been with the organisation. Sometimes people who are with the organisation longer are actually more misaligned than those who have been there a shorter period of time or younger people are more aligned and older people misaligned, or leadership or staff, volunteer leadership and staff might have completely different profiles. 
So it's important to build into the survey that demographic information. So later you can really drill down where you want to drill down. You can't do that after the survey is taken. You've got to do it. You've got to construct it in that fashion. Because there's going to be strengths and weaknesses in culture. And, and yeah, I can see now what you mean about the demographics and how it can be found in different parts of the organisation. I mentioned before that in one church there was a real workplace climate problem within the staff that problem wasn't actually in the volunteer leadership of the church the staff experience had a different experience than the volunteer leadership on the whole Hmm. changing culture takes effort and it takes time and so you don't you want to really target your effort at the right places you don't want to target cultural change at a group of people already living that culture you actually want to understand where the strength in the culture is and actually leverage the places in your organization where the culture is strong Leverage the, those people to help where it's weak. And uh, that's, a, that's a part of the strategic response. We'll go into this in a strategy podcast, or probably several strategy podcasts, Steve. I know we've discussed before that you're not surveying on cultural strength, are you? That's a very good point. Really, when you ask a question, you need to make sure you're asking the same sort of questions. And so typically, these type of surveys have either position questions or movement questions. I have a background in physics, and so I, I know the different dynamics when you measure position and you measure movement. There's a problem in cultural surveys when those two things are mixed. And so typically people will either measure position or movement. I think there's a problem with measuring position, and I, I think you do need to measure movement for a number of reasons. One, the Bible says it's unwise for people to compare themselves to others. And so when you're measuring on position, the only reference point is you've got, you've got another person. So you go, well, I'm better than them, so I'm going pretty well. The Bible says that's unwise. Secondly, there's a uh, perceptual problem with understanding our own strength and weakness. And this is a you know, recognised perceptual weakness in people. And people typically overrate themselves and underrate others. We can judge our own personal movement better than we can judge our own personal position. For example, I know I'm better than I was a year ago, and uh, that's a much easier thing for people to understand. The third main reason is that changing people change people, not change people. That does sound like it comes from a management consultant. That, but, that, uh, that is consulting speak 101. <laughs> that's right. The reality of this is what sort of leaven changes people? It's the process of, de- of personal development which changes another person, not, not a person being fully developed. Jesus doesn't say, I send you out as bread to the meal. He says, I send you out as leaven. We're change agents. And so just if you're listening to this, and you just picture two people. One person stands up and says, listen, I've been through this process. Look at me. I'm different to you. I'm better than you. Do the things I've done. Life will be better for you. You compare that person with the, the next person says, listen, hey, I'm on a journey. There's areas I'm working on. This is what I'm putting in into place. And people go, yeah, we can see you're on a journey. We can see improvement. It's the second person that produces cultural change, not that first person. And so we've got to measure movement in people. That's really the cultural change agent. The fourth and really a practical benefit of measuring movement is that you can take action on the first survey because you're getting a snapshot of how people are moving, not where they're at. And if, if you measure position, you've got to wait for a second survey to understand your effectiveness. And it's, it's really you're delaying, putting a time delay into your strategy from then on. That reminds me of the organisation that purchased mine whilst I was working there. They would monthly do what they called a PPI or People Pulse Indicator. And it was a very simple survey. Everyone in the organisation got it, but it gave a good indication on change from one month to the next on where people were, 
particularly on in a modern organization where things are changing at a fast pace and that can impact how people feel about some changes. It was a great way to get a handle on where uh, improvement in communication needed to be done, for example. Well, that sounds like they, those guys are on the ball, just having a monthly pulse. Absolutely. And earlier we mentioned about your two models, the SED and the TOD, which we know are stable mates and they're the same model with different language. Given that they do translate well with that different language, I'm assuming that it's true for surveying values and cultural improvement in both types of organisations? The same type of survey and analysis is true for the TOD as is the SED. It's, it's the same model framework, same type of survey, different questions, of course, different behaviours that have been asked questions on for values, but really they're the corporate equivalent. The good thing is that this corporate survey, the values and the culture that we're surveying for are actually ones that have been found to drive performance. I think this is an important point I, I talk about in the Kingdom Culture book. And when Jesus talked about how the kingdom extends on earth, he, he described it as leaven influencing meal, as I said, and the power of a little leaven. And so it is about starting off to change the, the culture and values of individual people. Leaven, that's like yeast, right? Yeah, leaven is, is yeast, pretty much the same thing. Yeah. It's an old-fashioned word. Transformation strategy. We're understanding culture, how to apply strategy to get that change. You've highlighted, I think, a couple of times that that's going to be part of a future episode. Strategy of cultural transformation, is that what we're talking? That's right. And it's Jesus said two parables which really drive all effective cultural transformation. So it makes it very simple. You create leaven, that is, you increasingly help individuals carry the culture of the kingdom, and then you put them in contact with the meal, that is, people. Their full potential they needs to rise, and so... The leaven actually helps that meal become bread, so it helps that person reach their full potential. In corporate language, it's the key touch points. How do you get the right people who are carrying the culture that you want, influencing those you want who, to be developed? That's great. I remember a famous quote from Peter Drucker, and he stated that culture eats strategy for breakfast. Does that actually apply in a kingdom enterprise? Uh, not really. In regular corporate enterprises, both culture and strategy serve performance. That's the way they're looked at. We, we need to improve culture to improve performance, and we need to look at our strategic our response and our systems and so on to improve performance. But in a kingdom enterprise, strategy serves culture. The purpose and the framework for strategy is that its result and its outcome is to build that culture into the organisation. So in, in Drucker's language, uh, culture sits at the breakfast table and strategy brings the omelette. <laughs> Very good. So strategy serves culture and cultural transformation drives performance. I do like that. Yeah. And uh, as you said earlier, Steve, the performance is really uh, a nice outcome of, of a kingdom orientation. The cultural transformation is the goal, but <laughs> achieving that goal actually increases performance. Jesus said this very simply, it's a seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, that all these things will be added to you as a positive benefit. That flips us on its head to what traditional corporations talk. That's right. We've covered a lot today, so it's probably a good time to wrap up. Good idea. So let's do that. So we highlighted again that the better off test is an overarching assessment of whether we're carrying more of the kingdom culture. Yep. And uh, because kingdom vision is about culture, we have to measure values and culture we need that valuable information to improve and we need to measure both the values and the culture because our response to them is different. 
These assessment tools uh, really give voice to everyone in the organization and they highlight blind spots, which, which obviously not everyone's blind to because they are responding in similar ways in the survey. But these assessments need to be driven by good models. We need to make sure we have a comprehensive set of values that we are looking uh, to understand uh, more fully. That's right. And it sounds like you've had some good success in both types of organisations with your SED and your Todd model. What we also found was organisational culture typically reflects the founders or the key leaders. Yes, and it's a really a good time uh, for a new leader to have an immediate cultural assessment. It's an excellent time. One, because it's, it's a change point in the organisation, but it's two, it says to have an accurate understanding about the landscape and how it can be changed and really then to focus strategy on building that culture, knowing that you are helping people to enter the kingdom and knowing that all these things will be added to you as a result and that really let that culture drive the outcomes. You know, one of the interesting things that for a lot of studies and research says that a focus on performance management systems can actually decrease performance, but a focus on a performance culture lifts performance. Merely focusing on the mechanic can actually influence the culture in a poor way, which actually drops performance. Mm, That's very interesting. And as I mentioned, Drucker said, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And there's some truth in that. Yeah. I love what you've added to that. In the corporate world, culture and strategy serve performance. But if we want to make this truly a kingdom enterprise, strategy serves culture and culture is our performance measure. That's correct. And as kingdom people, performance isn't really our main motivation, helping people to enter the kingdom. Thankfully, that as, a, as an outcome of that, there are great things result. In fact, not just great uh, natural things. We, we move into the heavenly economy where there is treasure in heaven and, and the Father rewards us. We need to understand the level of kingdom culture we carry. And I've given you the ability to have a bit of a snapshot with the assessment tool you can complete online. That's going to mess with a few people, you know, because so many of us are shaped by the way of the world into performance mindsets. You know, if you don't do this, you won't get to the next promotion or you won't get to the next pay rise and all that sort of stuff. Totally agree with you, but I'm sure that's going to mess with some people. Mess with me, Stephen. I'm just I'm just transferring that messing uh, to other people because I feel like I've been on a 30 year journey with this. And <laughs> I mentioned um, that was this podcast or the previous one that. It really challenges your identity and your faith. They're not a one-off challenge. It's just like, ah, oh, I've done that. Identity, tick, faith, tick. These are lifelong pursuits for us. And uh, we, we never graduate from the school of faith. <laughs> We're always in it. Yeah, that's a good point. And that's probably, a, <laughs> that's probably a, a, enough messing with people for today. Let's leave it there. Very important resources. If people want to get into this in a whole lot more detail, it's explained well in your book titled Kingdom Culture. You've set up a free personal cultural assessment tool, a diagnostic that people can do, and they can find both of those and your other books, of course, at kingdomculture.com.au. Thanks, Steve, for the plug in. Until next time, I'm Wayne Beck. And I'm Steve Kyle. And we both wish you every success in your pursuit of more of the kingdom.